0: The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews is brought to you by Spirituality and Health Magazine, the Soul-Body Connection. Visit SpiritualityHealth.com today. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews.
1: Welcome back to Authentic Living. You know, we've had a wonderful two years running here, haven't we? It's been excellent. I've enjoyed working with you. And I've got a couple of announcements. Over the next couple of months, along with our wonderful special guest of today, we're going to be getting to talk to some more of the great spiritual masters of our time, including Gary Zukoff, Joan Borosinko, Caroline Mice, Michael Brown, and Dr. Clarissa Pincola Estes, who are all coming back for a second time. And then we'll be interviewing Regina Brett and several others for the first time. So stay tuned for these wonderful events. And I have another announcement I'm excited about. I have a new book coming out in the fall of 2011. Do you want to know why the law of attraction is not working for you and how it can? Then this book is meant for you. I just signed a contract with O-Books, so stay tuned for more on that book as well. And for today, we've all made promises to ourselves that we would change something about our behavior or attitudes only to find ourselves back in the same old rut not too long after we made that promise If we can't even make the surface changes, how in the world are we going to make the deep changes? Most of us don't even consider the possibility. So we just work on things like changing behavior and thoughts. But what we don't know is that the reason these more surface changes are so hard to make is because we haven't made the deeper changes. But again, how do we do that? Today, Michelle Rosenthal, mental health advocate, public speaker, blogger, writer, workshop seminar leader, certified professional coach, hypnotist, and practitioner of Neuro Linguistic Programming, is going to teach us about three steps we can take to personal change. Michelle struggled with PTSD for 25 years before receiving the help she needed. So she knows, not only from a professional perspective, but from a personal one, what it takes to make deep personal change. So today, we're going to take a little journey into possibility. Welcome, Michelle, thank you so much for participating in this conversation with me.
2: Hi, Andrea, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of your show, and I want to say hello to your entire audience. I admire you for tuning in and for deciding that it was time to make a deep personal change.
1: All right. So tell me in your own version, why would people want to go that deep? I mean, our society isn't really in favor of that so much, so why would we want to do that? Well, I think (laughs) you're
2: right. Our, Our society is not so inclined to go to the deep places. But I think at the same time, we're on the cusp of understanding and knowing that we do need to make deep personal change on so many levels in order to keep our world's The way we want it to be, and I mean that in terms of um, the ecological environment, the spiritual environment, even our political and economic environments. Change needs to be made on all of those fronts. And it begins with each person knowing how to make change within themselves and then being able to export that change into the world. So I I think there are a lot of reasons why now is a good time for all of us to start learning how to go below the surface of where we're skimming so often with all of our virtual world and come back into the quiet space of the self.
1: Very good. Okay. So, so, all right, that would be why it would change us and it would change our world. So why are we so afraid of it? Well, I think any any kind of change
2: is often exhilarating and at the same time fear-inspiring. Sometimes we're going into uncharted territory where we know we need to make a change, but we don't know what will come after that, and I, I've experienced that a lot in my journey, and I'll talk about that later. Um, I think also when we change, it changes the dynamic of how we interact with the world. So the relationships that we have, change, our jobs change, our colleagues perceive us differently. Any small change, it's like the butterfly effect, you know. One thing happens in one part of the world, and there's a ripple to the rest of the world, and that happens within our own small individual worlds as well. So I think there are a lot of reasons why change is feared, because we don't know what comes after, or because we're afraid of how people will react. Or the biggest thing, I think, is we're afraid we're going to make a mistake. And that mindset, that belief system of thinking, if I make a mistake, it's irrevocable, could stop you from making change for the rest of your life. Because all three of those reasons are big internal drivers. And when you hook into a fear element that can eclipse everything else because our fear state is so physiological as well as being emotional and spiritual. Um, So I think that it has a a great element in terms of how change is or is not accomplished.
1: Right. And so many times when we're afraid, we just sort of, um, we we paralyze, don't we?
2: Yes, we do. You know, there's fight or flight, and there's also freeze. And I think change can very often inspire freeze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we get stuck there and then we feel powerless and then we feel we can't change when really the truth is it's the idea of change that's making us feel powerless, not the idea, not the actuality of yeah. our not being able to
1: yeah, and we spoke of society earlier when we get all these messages from society that we are indeed powerless over knowing who we are and, and exploring these deeper regions. And, you know, so, you know, why would we want to go into a place where we feel overpowered by some deep psychological thing that we just really don't want to encounter?
2: Well, because the flip side of that is that the idea that we want change is coming from such a deep place. You know, you're not walking along the street and you decide, um I want a hot dog, that's that's not enormous change. That's, I'm hungry, I need something to eat. But when you're looking at a deep personal change, that's a voice coming from such an, an emotional and spiritual and value-driven place. And that's an essential voice that each person has that you know so often we ignore. But when the desire for change is coming from that place, it's something that you can't ignore because it's coming from the crux of really who you are. And if you do ignore it, then what happens is you're ignoring a major element of your individuality, of your spirituality, and of your whole presence in the world. Right. And if you do that for too long, <laughs> that your, your body and your mind will start to react because you're actually suppressing something that's important.
1: Yeah, and then on on top of the, the idea that we're powerless over that, our society also teaches us that when our body and mind start betraying us, well, that's just a normal part of aging, and it's a normal part of life, and, of course, people get sick, and so what?
2: Exactly. And so we're conditioned, really, from the very beginning of our entry into society as adults, if not even as adolescents and even as children. You know, toddlers and very young children are so incredibly creative, and they are completely uninhibited. And through the process of, let's just say, Entering elementary school through the end of high school and then even college, we learn what everyone else finds acceptable, and we start to censor ourselves, and we become inhibited, and that great, great, incredible creativity we have in many people gets stunted because we're not en- encouraged to bring it out, yeah. and and I think that's that's really. Um, where the process of of the problem begins is in what we learn and how we allow who's teaching us to impact our belief system. You can put two children side by side, one that grows up in a home where the child is celebrated and everything they do is phenomenal, and so they think they can do anything, including deep personal change. And then you have another child who is equally the same at four years old, but maybe they're raised in a home that, you know, banishes them from the table, sticks them in their room in front of the TV and tells them they're worthless. That child's going to grow up with a very different set of beliefs. And I think at the very basic level, it's our belief system that allows us to believe whether or not we can achieve the deep personal change that we want.
1: Okay. So we have a sort of innate resistance, not innate, let me change that word, learned resistance to, um, to changing on these deep personal levels. I think that's true.
2: I do, and I think it's 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 the good news is that anything that is learned can be unlearned. We actually only have two natural fears when when, I, when an infant is just a newborn. We have two natural fears: the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. Every other fear we have is learned, which means it can be unlearned. So any resistance we have to change that is fear-driven, a, a large part of Resolving that is figuring out what the fear is, where it's coming from, deciding whether or not it's applicable, relevant, and real, and then deciding how to resolve that belief and install a new belief so that below your desire to change, there's actually a philosophy, a value, and a set of beliefs that's supporting the action you want to
1: take. Right. Excellent. Excellent. So, okay, uh, what would be, um, we're about to go on break, so I want to just sort of get started with this. What would be the first, very first step a person would want to take with regard to personal change, deep personal change?
2: I think the very first step is to clarify the change that you want. You and I have spoken so much about how we skim along the surface. So, the first step is gaining clarity on what's lying below the surface.
1: Right, right.
2: And once we do that, then you start really exploring what it is that you want to accomplish, what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And when you do that, the more specific you become, the more more easily accomplished your goal will be. Because it's very easy, and I can use myself as an example, all those years that I struggled with post-traumatic stress disorder, I I went around saying, uh, you know, to everybody fix this, just fix this and if you had asked me I would have said I want to be well but that really, what, what is that? That's not a very specific or defined goal, below that I wanted to be free of my memories of the past, I wanted to be free of the hold the past had on me, I wanted to be free of the anxiety that I lived in because I was terrified that my trauma would reoccur. So you see, when you go from, I want to be well, to I want to be free, I want to be um, emboldened in the way that I live, you start changing your whole approach to to what you're trying to accomplish, because you've gone from the general, which... Doesn't leave you really knowing what to do or what you want to being very specific. So, and I do this with my clients all the time. Each one of them has to write a mission of what their healing intention is. And you can do this for any change that you want to achieve. What is your intention? And when you can very well and deeply and specifically define your intention by saying, I want, and then, you know, an entire paragraph, if not at the very least, a long sentence of very specifically describing the change that you desire, when you get that clarity, it changes the entire game. From then, that very moment starts you knowing exactly where you're going. And that gets back to what we were talking about earlier. When you have a fear, part of that fear is, I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's going to happen. If I know very specifically, I am. I, I want to get well, but beyond that, I want to live with freedom in the present. That changes everything.
1: Absolutely, and it, and it also gives you a ground to stand on, so you're not just kind of out there in the winds. Mm-hmm. Okay, exactly. so we're going to be back in just a moment with more from Michelle Rosenthal with regard to deep personal change. Stay tuned.
2: for a transforming
1: world 7th Wave Network
0: When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV cancer and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council.
1: The Authentic Living Show is uh, sponsored by Spirituality and Health magazine, The Soul-Body Connection. It's one of America's most prestigious spiritual magazines. It publishes six times a year and offers an amazing array of information for the seeker, both online and in print. Check them out at www.spiritualityandhealth.com. Look at their cover story for this particular issue, the 2010 July-August issue, Find Your Avatar by... Uh, Emma Sapala, you'll be very glad you read that article. So we're talking today with Michelle Rosenthal with regard to deep personal change, how to make it. And, uh, and so we were talking just before the break about the first step. And what you said, Michelle, was that um, the first step was really to get more conscious about what it is that you really want to, uh, from this change, from, from your life. What do you want?
2: Exactly. I think the the question, what do I want, is not something that we usually pay attention to. What What do I want? What do I want for lunch? Not really something that we even think about. You know, what do I want? You get it and you keep going. We're in such a fast-paced society that it's very unusual, I'll use that word, for us to sit down, actually turn off our blackberries, our computers, our cell phones, and sit in a quiet space where we actually consider what do I want and look around and say, I have all of this. Does this really satisfy me? Is this really what I was striving for? And for anyone who wants to make deep personal change, deep personal change comes from connecting with that voice that says, I want. And it can be such a soft voice and it's not one that we are trained to listen for it's actually the one that we usually ignore because there's so many other stimuli coming in and so many other voices outside of us making decisions and making demands and so when you decide that there's a deep personal change actually being guided by that inner voice is an enormous part of what will help you accomplish that and by tapping into that inner voice you strengthen your journey toward that change because you're tapping into that deep part of you that actually wants the change that's actually asking for the change and it it's it's It can bring about amazing things. In my own journey, uh, I was very, very debilitated and sick and depressed with post-traumatic stress disorder. And yet there was a very soft, tiny voice that said, I want to feel joy. And I didn't listen to it. I just ignored it and then got to a point where I decided, okay, this voice, I keep hearing it. <laughs> it's in there, and I'm going to turn up the volume, and I'm going to figure out what it is that it's asking me for. And that changed everything for me. Deciding to listen to that voice was critical because it put me on a path that was more authentic for who I was and what I was trying to achieve. Absolutely. And. And I'll just say one, one more thing before I ask you what you think about all of this and throw it back to you. But I, so often people get confused between what is the inner voice because we all, we all know that voice in our head that says, you're no good, you're not good enough, you, you don't ever do anything right. That's not the inner voice I'm talking about. That's the ego voice. That's your thoughts. I'm talking about the voice that you feel and that resonates from a deep place in you, not in your head, but maybe even it's coming up from your gut. And that feeling is what the voice is attached to. It's not what's swirling around in your head making all those critical remarks.
1: Right, absolutely. I'm so glad you clarified that because there's so many dissenting voices in our heads, sort of the committee that tells us not to do not to go after our joy and, and there's so many shoulds out there and have to's and ought to's and obligations and like you said all the buzzes from all the electric electronic devices in our lives. Um, yeah, that distract us from that, that inner voice that tells us what we really desire. And then we have to do some work, as you said, on clarifying that desire, separating it out from you know, like for one of the one of the examples I think of frequently is w- what you know, if I desire to be uh, ha- happy, but I think that money's going to make me happy, then I think I'm desiring money, but really I'm desiring to be happy. And being able to clarify that to work on desires is what I guess I hear you saying to raise the consciousness of your own desires and really find out what that means to you. As opposed to what it might mean to somebody else, and that's that's also been forbidden by society because we're not supposed to think about what we want; we're supposed to think about what we have to do and should do and ought to, to do. So there'll be a dissenting voice in there that will say, "No, don't do that because that that means you're selfish and you're self-absorbed and all that stuff too."
2: Uh, I think that's that you're hitting on something critical that I hear a lot, um, and I and it's a major component in what holds people back. The I, and again, it gets back to a set of beliefs. If I do what I want, I'm going to hurt somebody else. If I do what I want, I'm going to disappoint somebody else. If I do what I want, I'm being selfish. But the truth is we are our best selves for everyone else when we are most true to who ourselves are. So if we spend a lot of time denying and cutting off the aspects of ourselves that would allow us to live authentically, then we're not really the best person we could be for those people we're worried about hurting or disappointing or offending. So, it's a matter of changing the belief systems, and your, I think your example with money and happiness is perfect because it's, it's like, I want to heal, and what, what does that really mean? I want money. Well, what, what is it that you want to buy with the money? Mm-hmm. And then that moves us into um, the next step, actually, Which is? of my three steps if that's all right with you. Yes,
1: please, please, yes. Okay.
2: So the first step is to clarify what it is that you want, to sit down, really ask yourself, what do I want, be specific using language that is very, very detailed and that's coming from this inner voice, this deep feeling. And then the second step is verifying why you want it, and that's exactly what you brought up with the money and happiness. It's what I want is money, but... If you're not conditioned to go below that so that you could say, I want to be able to afford a luxury vacation so that I can rest and relax, this next step helps you go even deeper than you would originally. And however deep a person automatically goes is fine because it's all a process. And the next step is made to deepen that process. And the next step is to verify it. Why do you want it? So, and that's, that's often another question we rarely ever ask ourselves. I, for the longest time, never even asked myself, well, why would I want to be well? You know, it was really, I was just living in such a moment of pain. And for anybody, whether you're in pain or not, you can be so on the surface of everything that you don't actually buy in to the deep personal change that you think you're desiring. And verifying that desire helps you have that emotional buy-in.
1: Exactly, exactly, because it's not based on... That's uh, some of the ways that we make surface changes or attempt to make surface changes, too, isn't it? I should lose weight because society thinks I look bad or they think I look bad, even though I might not think I look so bad. They think I look so bad, so I should lose weight and we start off to lose the weight, and then we don't do it because we're not doing it because we want to. We're doing it because we think somebody else wants us to.
2: Exactly. So a part of the verification process is asking yourself, at the very least, these four questions. Why do I want this change? What will happen when I accomplish this change? How will things be different? And what values does this change support? And I mean, you and I could go on for an hour about each of those questions and the implications below them, but really what you're doing with this verification process is checking in with yourself, and this is another step of getting rid of the fear. It's being able to start being specific and detailed and seeing what will happen when you accomplish this change. And you're, you know, and, and I do, that everything that we accomplish can be supported by our ability to visualize what we're trying to accomplish. And this is, you know, this goes back for decades. Athletes use this all the time, being able to visualize jumping over a hurdle or a vault or whatever it is. It's the same process for us because the fact of the matter is the brain works in pictures, And so the more you can visualize what it is you want to accomplish, the more your brain starts making the picture and filling it in, and the more it does that, the more it feeds back to you the emotion that goes along with making the change in a positive way. Because if you can actually see all the good things that are going to come from this change, the more you see, the more comfortable you'll be, the more dedicated you will be to making this accomplishment a reality.
1: Exactly. And it gives you so much more hope, doesn't it?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely it does. And the cool thing, I I just love this little fact that I learned about the brain. The brain will actually seek to find proof of whatever you tell it. So, for example, if you tell it, I can't make this change, it will find examples all day long of why you're right, you can't make that change. But if you start making a conscious list of the reasons why this change would be really good for you the brain will start looking for even more proof of why this change will be really good for you and why it's so your authentic self and why it's so in tune with your values and why everyone else will benefit the brain will do that it becomes your partner but you have to put it you have to point it in the right direction And it will go that way. And so verifying your reasons for wanting this change, number one, lets you know whether or not it's really in tune with who you are, because as you were saying earlier, we can think we want something and we don't.
1: And this is part of
2: moving you towards actually being able to
1: accomplish it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, stay tuned for that final step of how to make deep personal change. We'll be back in just a moment
2: awakened media for a transforming world seventh wave network
1: dad can i ask you something sure there's this girl i kind of
0: like say no more you just have to impress her okay but how just I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh. Uh. 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 There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council.
1: And we're back with Michelle Rosenthal talking with you today about how to make deep personal change. And during the first two segments of the show, we talked about um, the first two steps toward that deep personal change. I want to just sort of review those briefly, and then I want to move on to the third uh, step. Can we do that, Michelle?
2: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great idea.
1: Okay. So the first step would be?
2: Uh, To clarify what it is that you want. The right. you're feeling you need deep personal change, it's not enough to say, I want deep personal change <laughs> because if, if that's as general as you say it, you're never going to, to really accomplish it as, as from my point of view anyway because you don't actually really know what it is you're trying to do. So the first step is to clarify very specifically with a very detailed statement, and, and I really see the best results when people write it out. So that you can actually see the words, read it out loud, hear it, and feel the feeling that goes along with that, answering the question, what do I want? And then after that, once you've made sure that that's coming from your deep inner voice, then verifying why you want it. It's not enough just to be clear. You then need to make sure, if you really want to effect this change, You need to make sure it's in tune with who you are and that you want it for the right reasons for yourself. So to verify this whole process is to ask yourself, why do I want this? What will change when I accomplish this? How will things be different? And what values does this change support? And then once you do both of those steps, Then you're in a place of extreme clarity, and the more clear you become, the more easy it is to actually accomplish the third step, which is to strategize the change, because it's great to walk around and say, I really want this, I really know why I want it, it jives with my most deep, authentic self. But you still have to take the next step, and that, that next step is an action-oriented step. The first two to clarify and verify are mental and emotional steps. And the third step is a physical action-oriented step. And in this step, you ask yourself um, these three questions just to get yourself started. And once you get started, there will be a ton of other questions to answer, I'm sure. But when you strategize, you start by asking yourself, how can I make this happen? Who can help me and what do I need? Because the idea of making great personal change and one of the most enormous fears that goes along with it is how overwhelming it can be. When we decide to change at a deep level, we're actually oftentimes overhauling an enormous system in the way that we live. And that can seem like a very overwhelming task. And what, what these three questions help you do, how can I make this happen, who can help me, what do I need, helps you chunk it down. So you're taking this big goal that you have and you're putting it into smaller bits and pieces so that then you can, like you do already a million times a day, organize and prioritize. So you're actually just taking this big, deep goal and putting it into a system that you've already developed that you use constantly to get you through every day. You already organize what you need to do. You decide, I need to take a shower first, then I need to get dressed. If you didn't at some point in your life put that strategy into place, you'd get dressed and then get into the shower, and things things would not go well. So, so even for deep personal change, you are taking this big idea and breaking it out into smaller pieces that then you can use the systems and thought processes you're already comfortable with, which adds an element of peace and calm, and put those strategies to work to help you decide what needs to be done, in what order, what tools, resources, and people you need. And when you start organizing everything like this, Deep change becomes extremely easily accomplished. You're still going to have to do the work, so it may be difficult in that aspect, but the idea of it is now not something that's overwhelming because you're clearly demarcating what steps need to be taken.
1: Absolutely. And I love the step in there of, of you know, how can I make this happen? That's some, it may start off with just a fantasy of how you can make it happen, but then. When you get to who can help me, that makes it a little bit more specific. And then uh, what do I need makes it even more specific, doesn't it?
2: It does, exactly. And then, I mean, those are just three basic questions. But you can even, there are so many more, when do I want or need to do this by? What kind of tool Am I lacking in this moment that I need to get before I can make this change? Let's just say, for example, you've been an addict for many years, and the deep personal change is that you want to go clean and start your life over. Well, what tool do you need? For some people, that's a resource person. That's a therapist or a counselor, so that you're not trying to make a change all by yourself. And no matter what kind of change you're making, having the ability to take a look and honestly say, I need help. We don't have to make deep personal change all alone. So that means you can either work with a professional, work with a family member, work with a friend. There's a big sort of stigma in our society about asking for help. And in this step, this strategizing step, You're breaking things down and recognizing where it would be nice if you had a little support so that while you're about to make this enormous change, you're not doing it in a vacuum, which actually is a great transition because as you're making change and bringing it from the inner to the outer world, why not have a bridge that you're walking across? And if there's a tool or a resource or a person that gives you that bridge, well, why fight the rapids beneath if you could walk over them? So I think that figuring out those th- the answers to those questions and then adding in any other questions that come to mind, because the more you get in touch with that inner voice, which each step of this process is predicated upon hearing, by the time you get to the third step, that inner voice is going to have all kinds of ideas. And by this third step, if you've really paid attention and allowed that voice to grow, it becomes an enormous resource in and of itself because then you're not working from your head. You're working from a place deep inside the body that connects to emotions maybe that are in the head, but it's connecting even the mind-body experience throughout this whole deep change. And that's another way to make deep personal change go to the level that you want it to go
1: to. Right. So, and it, wouldn't it be true then that as, we're got, as we've arrived at step three and we're strategizing, wouldn't we again have to encounter the same questions that we did in the first place? What do I want? What am I afraid of? What are the barriers? What, you know, what, those kinds of things. As you're going through the sort of soft tissue of the personal change, wouldn't you have to encounter those things again?
2: Absolutely. I think, you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think you'd go through the questions in both the first steps, mm-hmm. clarifying what I want and verifying why I want it, because especially as you're making deep personal change, that can be an awesome and also terrifying experience. And so I think you're right. It's a great way to anchor yourself to the process. Whenever it feels like it's getting a little out of control, go right back to the first and second steps. What do I want? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because maybe while you're in process, you've forgotten the details in the specific way that you first imagined them, because now you're distracted by the actual process itself. And maybe you've forgotten why I want this so badly, because the process of change can be harrowing and difficult in the best of circumstances. And so remembering why this was so important in the first place, and that's a great question to ask yourself, why is this change so important to me? And writing out these answers, and for many people, keeping a journal or like at least a place where you put all of these pieces of paper together, where you can go back over and over and see how you've answered each question and see how maybe the answers change over time because you learn more about yourself or more about what you actually do want. Because all of this process is about really getting in flow with who you are. And the more you do that, the more clarity that comes around that, the more you may change what you thought the outcome was going to be. Because from the very beginning, you've started perhaps from a place of superficiality where you're skimming the surface, and the whole process of change is going to take you down to an incredibly deep level where you then learn more about who you are, and that is will educate you about really what it is you're trying to accomplish and so you're absolutely right throughout the whole strategy phase of everything it's always good to go back and check in is this still what i want do i want to make any changes do i is this still the right reason is this still resonating with who i feel i am so that the whole process is a cycle that keeps feeding on itself and continues to bring you closer and closer to that authentic self you're hoping to become.
1: Right. And when you get to the difficult places that are definitely going to be there, um, asking yourself what you desire from that difficult place might help you get more specific about that particular place.
2: I think you're right. Because the more difficult things are, the more real we become. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. When, when everything is fine, it's very easy to keep on the masks that we've adopted for all different kinds of reasons and in all different kinds of situations. And the more difficult things become, the more the masks come off and we get closer and closer to seeing who's beneath the mask. And once you get into the most deep part and the final mask comes off and you're face-to-face, with who you really are, that's when the biggest decisions have to be made. And being able to rely on all the work you've done up to that point can be critical in helping you continue moving forward, even though the process itself is, you know, maybe a little more difficult than you expected it to be.
1: Yeah, and I want to say, too, to the listening audience, um, this is not like walking down into a, deep cavernous horrible uh, dragon ridden snake bitten pit it also offers if you stay with desire it offers you the peace and the joy that desire naturally gives us if we stay with desire that it gives us a focus and um, I've discovered in my own journey and I, I I think you have too that we that we uh, even when we uncover pain there is peace beside it and even when we uncover fear there is joy beside that so there's not just one uh it's not just a path into total darkness um it's a path into your own shadow material but it also brings you what else is in your shadow which is your peace and your joy
2: i think that's a really important uh point to make and i'm glad that you brought it up (laughs) because I, i think you're right sometimes um it's so easy to think about the struggle that something is. But at the same time, parallel to that is the enormous experience of feeling yourself becoming and emerging and evolving. And that is transcendent in addition to what you said about joy and peace. It's an incredible experience of getting closer and closer to what is most awesome about you and your own spirit and your own um, your place in the world and it's a beautiful place so we should balance this conversation by not just addressing what would be fearful but would by highlighting what would be extraordinary
1: right, exactly and we're going to talk just a little bit more about that transcendent process and let you get to know Michelle a little bit better in the next break so stay tuned for that
2: Awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network.
0: America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA?
2: SkillsUSA is life changing.
0: SkillsUSA is awesome.
2: SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you.
1: SkillsUSA is amazing.
2: SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states.
0: Tree. You live for the firsts in your child's life, but how do you cope with the firsts that come after your child is diagnosed with cancer? CureSearch.org connects you to the doctors and scientists whose collaborative research has turned childhood cancer from a nearly incurable disease to one with an overall cure rate of 78%. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
1: And this is our final segment today with Michelle Rosenthal talking to you today about deep personal change and the steps to get there. Um, I want to allow our audience, just a minute, uh, Michelle, to get to know you a little bit better to find out more about your work, how they can access your work, and even you, if you're if you're okay with that, and um, any events you've got coming up. So let's take a minute to do that.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I'd be happy for anyone to follow up with questions or comments or ideas. Um, you can reach me at Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E, just one L, at HealMyPTSD.com, and I'll just spell that out, H-E-A-L-M-Y-P-T-S-D.com. And I am happy to engage in any conversations. I I feel very passionate because of my own journey and my struggle and the ultimate deep personal change that I made that set my life back on course. I've been PTSD-free now 100% for quite a few years, and I've from that experience decided to dedicate my career and the rest of my life to helping others make deep personal change in all kinds of ways. And I particularly focus on post-traumatic stress disorder. So if there's anyone in your audience that is experiencing it or knows somebody who is, I have a website that is talk full of all kinds of information about awareness, education, treatment, and self-empowered healing. There's even a free self-empowered healing blog, and you can find all of that at www.healmyptsd.com. And I'm very excited, which I was telling you earlier, uh, Andrea, that I have uh, just recently completed my PTSD memoir and my big event on the horizon is that we'll be releasing the book on August 31st. So if there's anyone who wants to read about deep personal change um, in the form of a memoir, I encourage you to come on over to the website, get ready, take part in the festivities leading up to that, and, uh, and feel free to engage.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And really, I, w- I would encourage you guys to check out uh, her website because there is a lot of information you can get there about change. So, okay, let's let's just spend a few minutes wrapping up now to, uh, to um, talk about what this whole process means. We talked a little bit during the break about, you know, the, the focus of this energy being entirely a transcendent process in which... Um, we are already transcending our shoulds and ought tos and have tos the moment we start asking ourselves what it is that we truly desire in life and we are uh, transcending our, our sort of blame on other people and other things and our circumstances when we say what will happen when I make this change because I'm taking full responsibility for that change which is also a transcendent process. So do you have anything else to say about that whole process being one that gets us sort of above where we have been
2: oh I do and and having gone through the process myself I, I think that the most amazing the most amazing part of the transcendence of it all is what you learn about who you are that you can go along through life being defined in so many erroneous ways by other people by society by your own experiences. And so you gain a definition of who you are that's not necessarily complete or even accurate. And by going through this process and the transcendence that comes from it, you end up seeing yourself in an entirely new way. And in seeing that whole person that you actually are rather than the bits and pieces that perhaps you've had mirrored back to you, and in feeling the power of this person you've become, you learn something that is absolutely, in my experience, exquisite about not only who you are and what you can accomplish, but who you are beyond the moment that you live in in a a much more enormous and spiritual sense and a much more authentic sense in terms of how you choose what you do for the rest of your life. Being able to go through this process and reach that place of transcendence poises you to make entirely new decisions, to create a future that is so in tune with who you are and what you wish to be in the world. And I was really stunned. To have that, I just thought I was going to make this deep personal change and let go of the past, and I was shocked to come out the other side and discover this enormous sense of who I actually am versus the small person that the survivor in me thought I was and to discover that I actually have so much more to give than I ever expected and that now, having made that change, I'm in the process of living a life that is really mine. And it's one thing to go through your life thinking you're living the the life you're meant to be living, but not really seeing if everything lines up that way. And another thing, to come through this process and know in the deepest part of who you are that everything you do is exactly in tune with who you are and exactly the life you were meant to be living. In the most conscious way,
1: absolutely, and, yeah. and we find deeper. We find a, a deeper sense of where of standing here on the planet um, as we as we do that too. We're we're not trying to get away from this planet when we transcend. We're actually getting closer to the reality of our lives when we transcend all the hoo ha that has been our lives prior to that. That's
2: true, and I, I also think it's important to. Um, bring into the mix the idea um, that your ability to accomplish this kind of, well, any change, but deep personal change, is very immensely impacted by the people with whom you surround yourself. So, for example, we can make the decision to change, but if we are in toxic relationships that are predicated upon the fact that we don't change, we're going to feel like we're doing so much and yet maybe we're not able to accomplish what we want. So it's important to sort of assess your life when you decide to make deep personal change and decide what needs to change outside of you so that you can do this work inside of you as well. And sometimes that means... Ending friendships or ending relationships or changing your job or, you know, I changed states. <laughs> I decided I couldn't do what I needed to do in New York City. And I just picked up and moved to Florida. And I'm not saying that you need to do that in order to make the personal change. But we do, while we do all the inner work, we have to also be aware of what's outer and how we can put it into the shape it would be most supportive to what we're trying to accomplish.
1: Absolutely. Very well said. Very well said. All right. Well, we've reached the end of our journey for today. And um, I want to remind you that next week we're going to be talking about a new perspective on faith, what it is and what it isn't. And to to remind you again that the show is sponsored by Spirituality and Health magazine and ask you to check out that magazine at www.spiritualityhealth.com. We'll be back again next week. Stay tuned for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself.
0: Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.